Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. There's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight. Find your next fishing trip made easy on fishingbooker.com and experience the magic of the Sunshine State or any other destination on your fishing bucket list. Book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids. With over 6,000 captains and trips to choose from, planning your next one just got a whole lot easier. Download the Fishing Booker app on the Google Play or App Store or visit them online at fishingbooker.com to book your trip today. 46% of Americans expect to leave behind financial obligations when they pass away. So it's crucial to make sure your family is financially protected. Policy Genius helps you find the right life insurance coverage by comparing options from America's top insurers with help from licensed, award-winning agents. Secure your financial future with Policy Genius. Head to policygenius.com to get free life insurance quotes in just a few clicks. That's policygenius.com. What's up, y'all? I'm KC. And I'm Tyler. And this is another Big Buck Breakdown from the Element Podcast. Brought to you by Exodus Trail Cameras. All right, now on the phone, we've got Parker McDonald from Southern Ground Hunting. Parker, you texted me a couple of days ago, and I was just going to sleep, I think, when I, when I got the text. I, don't, I didn't remember getting it until 5 in the morning, but it said that I had read it, so I must have just set my phone on the table when you texted me. Uh, but you were asking for prayers. And so um, uh, I did say one at 5 in the morning and then texted you, and... Um, you at the time were trying to find a deer. You sent me some video that shows the shot and these kind of things. And we're like going through some stuff, um, talking about it. And I'll be frank with you. I couldn't tell the butt in from the head end of that deer in that video. <laughs> so anyway, uh, I don't want to spoil anything from this point forward, but go ahead and let me know how this story started out and how it ended. Yeah, so so basically that that video that you got, Tyler, was a uh, like so I shoot in 4K. I shoot every everything in 4K so that I can do that, so I can make sure I can get the shot on camera, especially if I you know, if it's a buck or something like. And I know I want to have the shot 100% on film, and I don't maybe in a lot of those thicket like real thicker areas it's hard to watch a little viewfinder while you're trying to get a shot, you know? And so I just keep everything zoomed out so that I can do that. So that video was super grainy because I was as zoomed in as I possibly could be on that completely zoomed out footage. Mm -hmm. So, um, it was definitely hard to tell, but basically, uh, anybody listening to this has watched any of my videos, listen to the podcast or anything like that. Um, they like, I, I, I'm definitely a public land guy. Like that's, that's kind of what, what I'm normally doing. And, um, I've got a buddy named Aaron here in, uh, in Alabama and, uh, he goes to church with me. Um, I'm a worship pastor at my church. That's my full-time job. And he was actually a teenager, um, in our youth group, uh, years and years ago, whenever I was leading the youth worship, uh, worship team. And so I kind of taught him how to play guitar and all this stuff. Well, he, we've always kind of talked about hunting, but not really, not a ton like that. What our common interest was really music. And, um, now that I've moved back here and I'm the worship pastor at the church, like he follows the Southern ground stuff. And he always sends me uh, a text every year. He's like, Hey dude, you need to come out to my hunting camp. You need to come to my camp with me. Come on, dude, just come to my camp. And I'm like, ah, you know, it's not really like, I don't really want to go to a hunting club. Like I like the public land chat, like the, the challenge of doing public land and kayak hunting and all that stuff. 
And so um, finally last week, I was just like, you know what? I'm not seeing any deer on public in my spots. I shot a couple does, but um, I just I wasn't seeing much for bucks. I was like, a, a change of scenery would be good. I'll take him up on his offer. So I went with him last uh, last Friday, um, the day after the statewide opener. So the, the zone I normally hunt, the public I normally hunt, it opened actually two weeks earlier this year. So um, I went and hunted with him at his camp and uh, and saw some deer, you know, nothing crazy. I didn't see any bucks. Uh, I saw some does and fawns and stuff. But kind of the way that I wanted to do it was I didn't want to sit on their green field. So Southern guys will know what I'm talking about. We have hunting clubs out here where you have a bunch of guys that lease this property and they have green fields and corn piles and all that stuff. And that's not really my thing. Like I, I'm not against it as long as it's legal to hunt over corn or bait. Like that's great. I just, just not really what I do. Like I just don't have necessarily any desire to do it. And um, so I, I just wanted to kind of run and gun on this public. And one of the things that I've always said since I started hunting on public and really learning how to do it uh, was that I would like to test my skill someday on, on a hunting club again and see if I can come out of there killing, killing more bucks than I did before. And, uh, and so I was like, I'm, I'm just going to run and gun. So I tried running and gunning out there. Um, one evening I sat on a green field just for the heck of it. I hadn't done it in a long time and uh, didn't actually see any deer that day. So we went back again. So I, I guess I'm making this story longer than it needs to be, but I want to be really detailed. Um, this past weekend, it was raining pretty much in the whole state. Like all of the public that I was, that I hunt from one side of the state to the other, I'm basically right in the middle. All the, all the public was going to be in rain and thunderstorms all day on Saturday. So I was like, crap, you know, I, I don't really, I don't really want to go sit out in the rain. I don't want to be out in a storm on my kayak. Like there's just some dangerous stuff about that. that I just don't really want to do at this point in my life. And, uh, and so I texted Aaron. I was like, hey, man, are you still going? Because he had invited me earlier in the week. Um, and he said, yeah, dude. He's like, I'll, I'll, meet you at, I'll meet you at 4 o'clock. I was like, okay, cool. So we go out there that morning, and it's raining. We get out there that, you know, kind of late. I was like, well, I'm just going to go sit. Since it's been raining all night, and it just kind of stopped, I'm going to go sit on this green field over here just for the first part of the morning, and then we'll get down and we'll scout. So I did that. Ended up getting busted by a young buck. And then that evening, so this is where the story actually kind of gets – gets a little more exciting so that evening he was like hey man i want to i want to show you like some of some of our green fields and some of our areas that we hunt um just so you can see what it's like you know and i was like okay cool so we get to this cutover and um in the south especially this part of alabama it's uh it's it's in a town called hamilton alabama it's right on the the mississippi state line pretty much in in the north north part of alabama and uh there's a lot of timber cut areas and they have these cutovers and then they have planted pines. And so he brought me to this 160 acre piece of land that they have leased and it's all like two year old planted pine. So they're about six feet tall or so. And I mean, it's just vast hillsides, like rolling hills of these planted pines and, and grown up grass and stuff like that in there. And uh, he took me to this green field, and I was like, man, there's a lot more deer sign in this field. I said, well, what, what's down the behind that? He's like, oh, you know, it's just like a little a little creek or whatever. And uh, I was like, well, can we go check it? And he's like, I mean, yeah, we can if you want to. And uh, I was like, man, it just looks good. So there's there's an SMZ strip that comes – that runs along this uh, this creek that goes into the, into the cutover. And I basically was treating it like – um, like the Oak Islands that Dan Infault t- talks a lot about um, up north, like in those marshes. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Like the marshland with the Oak Islands? Yeah, stuff. yeah, but I don't know what an SMZ strip is. What is that? So SMZ is, I can't even tell you what it stands for. I used to know this, but I can't even remember. But it's like when they do these big cuts, they'll leave a thin strip <clears throat> of woods along a creek mm. um, of like hardwoods and oaks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that follow this creek for whatever reason they leave it. I think it has something to do with like fertilization or something. Yeah, it's probably the, creek, bank, creek, creek bank erosion too. I would imagine is a big part of it. Maybe so. Yeah. It's just, 
Um, it's, but it's just big, tall, thin strip of woods. Hmm. And, um, and so I was looking at that and I was, and I was looking at it on the map and I asked, actually had asked him earlier in the day if that was still there. And he said, no, they cut all that down. Uh, and I was like, uh, okay, well <laughs> let's go check it out. So we go and check it out and I can see that thin strip, that SMZ strip right there, like perfectly from the top of the hill. And that's why I want to look at it. Cause basically it's, it's number one, it's a, it's a hard transition line that's right there. Yeah. And two, when you got those big pine, like 160 acres of pines, there there is some natural browse in there, but those acorns this time of year are going to be what they're going to be going after. And I thought if I could get at the first available, like hard hard mass like that, then I could be in a money spot. Parker talked about a very specific habitat type in this episode. It's that situation where you got a clear cut that runs down and meets a creek, and there's a thin strip of timber right along that creek. Sounds like a great place to hunt. It also sounds like a great place to hang a trail camera if you've got a place like that on your property. An Exodus trail camera would be awesome in this situation because in the thick stuff, man, sometimes it is hard to identify bucks or at least understand if it's a shooter or not. And if you use a trail camera like an Exodus Lift 2 that has a really high megapixel count and takes great video and pictures, you can identify bucks. You can get familiar with bucks, and then you will know exactly what deer it is as soon as you see it, and you don't have to pause and think, is this a deer I want to shoot or not? You can identify know that that's a shooter and be ready to take your shot so go check out exodusoutdoorgear.com so we walk down there into that creek and i see kind of a transition line from hardwoods to the pines and i told aaron i said hey come here come look at this and i said there's going to be a trail right here when we get to this i promise you there's going to be a trail following this smz strip and the pine transition and sure enough we get up there and there's a trail well what i was not expecting was a bunch of rubs, fresh rubs, right there on that. Mm. Now, this time of year, in this specific area, the rut's in January. So this time of year is not – you're not going to find a lot of rubs unless you find, like, random ones um, from them uh, rubbing off velvet, which they're not even going to be all that fresh right now. But these were, these were, like, wet. Like, they were fresh. You could see the shavings on the ground. Um, which made me believe that I was in a core area of a buck um, because he's he's just now getting away from his bachelor group more than likely um, out here and he's starting to mark territory close to where he lives it's it's really tight into his living quarters at that point and and you, you're not gonna see a lot of like like more of the rut sign that you would see you know a little later in the season and so I thought man, I've got to set up here because that buck is right here somewhere. He's bedded down in these in the in this uh, in these thick pines, and he's going to come right here. He's rubbing all this because this is his first available food source. He's spending a lot of time here. That's all there, and I was like, dude, we need to get out of here because that buck is probably watching us right now because we haven't been super quiet. <laughs> um, I was like, that buck is probably bedded, and I pointed up to the top of the hill. Um, the wind was in our favor, so our, our wind wasn't blowing to him. I was like, that buck is probably better right there. And uh, he was like, when you, when, you, when you tell a guy who's not used to that style of hunting something that specific, they kind of look at you like you're stupid. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah, really? He's better right there? <laughs> yeah. He's watching us, you know? And Aaron's a great dude. I'm not, trying to, I'm not trying to trash talk him at all. Like, Aaron's an awesome, awesome dude. Um, but when you, I mean, y'all, y'all been there before when you like, Hey, I bet you I can find a single hair in the woods. I can find a white deer hair and just pull it out of nowhere. Like people look at you like you're crazy. <laughs> yeah. Um, but we can't, I mean, that's what, when you, when you're used to hunting public land, you have to learn those, those little things that oh, yeah. guys hunting over bait piles really don't have to learn. <clears throat> um, and so we went and got something to eat and I started looking at the map and just really kind of putting it together as much as I could where that buck was going to travel at. So after lunch, we got done with lunch and I wanted to be in the tree early because the temperature was dropping quick, um, all day. I mean, it was, it dropped probably 20 degrees throughout the day. And, uh, and so we got set up about two o'clock and I mean, he did this buck did exactly what I thought he was going to do, which made me feel really good. Um, it made me feel like I'm not an idiot, you know, 
Yeah, because um, most of the time on public land, you feel like an idiot. You know, so. <laughs> that's the thing, man. Is I have not seen. Uh, I've had one encounter with a huge buck last last Saturday. Actually, he bedded down. I was on public, almost the same type of scenario. It did. It wasn't the SMZ, but it was like an oak cluster right off of a cutover. And, um, and I had an encounter with a big buck that morning and he ended up bedding down in the cutover like 80 yards away from me all day. So I had to sit and wait him out and I never, I never got a shot at it, Mm -hmm. but that's the only buck encounter I've had in (laughs) Alabama this year. Um, and so you start to wonder like, do I know what I'm doing? Like, am I, (laughs) am I stupid? Am Mm -hmm. I just, do I just get lucky during the rut sometimes? And, or, or the, the early season deer that you killed, like you're like, eh. Maybe it's just luck. Maybe it's just dumb luck, and mm-hmm. I'm not actually learning anything. And so, uh, but I still try to be confident. You know, you try to try to speak with confidence and um, and feel confident about your choices. And so that buck, about six o'clock, comes barreling out of that cutover, out of that uh, uh, the pines, and starts working his way right down that rub line straight to me. Ugh. And it was one of those things. It's so thick in there. It was one of those things where I was like, man, I don't, I don't know if I'm going to get a shot at him. I'd seen a doe earlier in the afternoon and she didn't come into my, like my direction. She just kind of walked into the oaks, ate some acorns and left. Uh, but he started coming straight to me on a string, turned the camera on, got it set. And the buck was looking like he, I knew he was a, a decent deer. You know, I didn't, I didn't really, I was trying not to concentrate on the antlers, honestly. Um, and it was so thick and it was starting to get a little bit dark. All I could see was that there was just a, a decent sized frame on him, you know? And so I, I knew I was going to shoot him and, uh, he walked into a little hole and kind of his body language turned like he was about to go back the other direction, which would make sense to me. He didn't just booger out, but he was walking around where we had walked that afternoon and just was kind of like, eh, I don't really know. And so the way his body language was, he wasn't going to walk into my big shooting lane that I had. And so I kind of had to just pick a hole. And as soon as he stopped in that hole, I shot. And uh, and so that was, I mean, I thought I'd put a, a smoking shot on him. I, I, I saw my lighted knock disappear. Um, you can see that, Tyler. Did you notice that, that the lighted knock disappears? I at did. Some point? Yep, yep. Um. And and he runs off, crashing through everything, and then it just stops. And I was like, well, maybe he died right over there. One of the things that you find yourself doing a lot of times when you're hunting public land or thick private land is that you'll end up clipping on with your release, taking your release off, moving around, readjusting, re-clipping your release. And man, sometimes you got to have a really specific tool to be able to do that. Cobra Archery has so many different types of releases. They have the handheld type with a thumb release. They have a dual caliper. They have a hook. There's all different varieties that you can use and be comfortable with. I personally like the hook style. Tyler has a dual caliper one. There's a new version of the Maverick that's like a pinch on that's really sweet. We've kind of been experimenting with that. So go check out CobraArchery.com and see which type of release will be right for you. At that point, man, I'll be honest with you. I thought this buck could be a hundred inch buck or he could be a freaking 145 or something i Mm. I just didn't know i was like that might be my biggest deer ever you know Mm -hmm. (laughs) i I just don't i don't know i was i was trying not to concentrate on it and this isn't my property so i don't i don't like have cameras or any intel of any kind of deer i've never had encounters with these bucks before like i'm just kind of you know kind of playing it by ear sort of and um so Aaron comes down. I tell him I shot a big buck. He comes down and he stops before he gets to me. He's like, dude, I thought I heard breathing back there, like heavy breathing. I was like, well, maybe I, maybe I smoked him and he's just over there dying. Um, but we get down, I get down and go to the arrow and about, um, I don't know, 10 inches or so is broken off the front of the arrow and the fletchings and nothing. There's no blood on. I, all I found was the backside of it. Um, and there was hair, there was a little bit of hair on it and like a little bitty tiny bit of what looked like it might be blood, um, like, or like stomach matter or something like Mm. that. And then like some fatty looking stuff. And I was like, Oh my God, man, I just, I don't know. I really don't know where I hit this deer at. Um, 
And so we walked a little ways, looked for blood, not a drop of blood, um, nothing. We walked about 40 yards to where I heard him stop at to see if he was over there, nothing over there. So I said, you know what, dude, we just got to back out. I had church tomorrow. So the next day was Sunday, yesterday. And uh, I was like, I, I can't chance going in after this buck, but I also can't come back first thing in the morning. Um, and I just really need to look at this video footage to be able to even know what the next move is. So we backed out, got back to the truck. I called a tracking dog, a guy I actually go to church with. And uh, you go to um, church with all the right people, man. <laughs> I, I know, I know. I really, I really done a good job with building the right relationships with church. <laughs> um, but he he's a good friend of mine, and he's done a couple tracks for me already in the past. And uh, I told him kind of what I thought. I told him I had absolutely no idea where I shot him at, but the arrow was broken off. Um, so I I just really <clears throat> had to assume that it was a shoulder hit or something like that, or just maybe a freak, something freak happened and it just didn't have any blood on it. I've heard, I mean, there's no telling what an arrow can do after it hits a deer. Like no matter whether that deer moves, I mean, that deer could move and just, there's no telling. Mm -hmm. So we made plans. I had to do church yesterday, yesterday morning. Like that's my job. So I knew that more than likely if I smoked this deer, the meat was probably not going to be good, which was a hard call to make. But at the end of the day, when, when you don't have blood and you don't really have anything to go by, you can't, you just can't chance it, you know? And yeah. at the end of the day, I'm glad I did, but I'm glad I did what I did, um, knowing what I know now. But uh, I got home and watched this footage. And when I watched the footage, what it looks like in this footage, and people will be able to see this once I get the video done, um, it looks like the arrow goes mid body, like mid gut on a quarter to way shot, which makes me think that's dead. dude's going to be dead in a hundred yards, mm-hmm. less than a hundred yards. And we backed out. So if it just hit guts, that deer's still going to be dead super quick. And the dogs are going to find it real fast. And, uh, I was, I was excited. I was, I was happy with a gut shot. You need to wait 12 hours anyway. So I was I was very happy with our decision to do what we did. Um, got up yesterday morning, did worship at the church, met the tracker out there and we go to the shot and he's got two dogs. So he's got a, a dog named Bo and I don't, I could not tell you what kind of dog that is, but then he's got a bigger dog named Tater and Tater's like a catch dog. He's like, a, what are they called? Is it Catula or Cata- Catahoula? Catahoula. Catahoula. Catahoula and Kerr mix. So it's like a catch dog. Mm-hmm. It's like a big hog dog. And the way he was describing it to me is, is the big catch dog goes by wind, like wind scent. It's winding everything. So it'll get downwind. Whereas his other dog will like his other dog will just follow the actual scent trail of the deer using that gland. Hmm. They're not actually tracking blood. They're tracking the gland of that specific specific wounded deer. They've let out a scent out of their hoof. Um, it's actually pretty amazing because everybody thinks they're going by blood and they're actually not. Um, so the catch dog just takes off. As soon as we get there, it takes off and starts going on track. And I said, well, that's the way it went. And he said, well, let's see if Bo gets on the same, starts following that same line. And so we're watching him on the GPS and it's so crazy how this, the catch dog, the big one, is probably about 40 yards to the left downwind of um, where the actual uh, trailing dog is. So it's winding the scent, the ground scent of this deer, while the other one is actually on the trail. And they're they're almost running parallel with each other. It's amazing. Hmm. And we're following the whole time. We get 100 yards, 200 yards, 300 yards, 400 yards and he's like man they're on a track he's like i just don't know what they're tracking because they're going a long ways and based on that hit i did not think this deer was going to go that far and so we go up a hill like up a steep steep hill um on top of a ridge i mean we're going all over the place watching it on gps and but they're still both of these dogs are still tracking together neither one of them is splitting from the other so they're on something 
and uh, about 700 yards down. So we went up the hill and down the hill, about 700 yards. We hear the dogs bark down in a real nasty gully. And what happens with these dogs is if they bark, that means the deer is still alive, um, which was not at all what I expected. And I said, I had asked Brian, the tracker, what, like, what happens here? Like, what do they, do these dogs bark whenever he's, and he said, yeah, they bark. Sure enough, we heard him bark. And he said, man, that deer has got to be down there unless they're just barking at an armadillo or a, a rac- raccoon or something that's hissing at them. And so we get down there and there's the deer laying down in this gully and it looks dead. And we walk up to it and it like stretches out and like lifts its head up and it's hurting bad. And so we, we put it out, you know, quickly dispatched of it, which was unfortunate. I mean, honestly, like no bow hunter wants to know that they basically made a deer suffer that long. Mm, you know, yeah. I mean, that's, it was almost 24 hours from the shot. By the mm-hmm. time we got to it, it was almost 24 hours from the shot. It was about 3.30 or 4 whenever we got up. No, no, I'm sorry. It was past that. It was about 5 o'clock once we found the deer. So it had been... 23 hours basically from the time I shot it and um he Brian Brian you know took a knife to it and put it out really quick that sucks but they're on a positive note of that we got all the meat off of that thing like it was still alive so the meat was not wasted mm-hmm. we got the deer um it really it's an unfortunate best case scenario does that make sense without sure, sounding yeah. I don't sound heartless because no. it definitely doesn't feel good that you didn't put a good shot on the deer. But, yeah. you know, it, there is a plus side that I got to keep a hold of that meat. Mm-hmm. Um, so here we are, like, a mile away from where we shot, like, away from any road. <clears throat> and I find myself all of a sudden in a very, very much a public land scenario where it's like, crap, I didn't come out to private land to do this, you know, like <laughs> to have a mile dragged back. Mm. Um, luckily, I brought my frame pack with me to carry all of my camera gear so I could film everything. And um, so we just packed it out, man. We packed that buck out, like corded it up right there and packed it out. I mean, it was definitely dark by the time we got done quartering it. So, uh it was well after dark before we got back to the truck, but it was like probably the most backcountry private land hunt I have ever been on in my life. <laughs> you um, didn't hook one and, in the, a sleigh up to one of them dogs like the Grinch. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. We we could have done that. I don't know that the one the catch dog probably would have done all right with it. Um, but so there's a crazy a bunch of crazy things with this. The the deer had actually already been hit by coyotes. Huh. Coyotes had already, already tried to get him. Wow! Um, because his like his his rear end was eaten out. Basically, that sounded mm. really bad, but <laughs> um, it was like bloodied up and all that stuff. And uh, but the deer was still alive. He got away from him, uh, but there was not a drop of blood on the ground anywhere. There was not. And we found out that the, the shot actually ended up hitting straight shoulder, like straight up the leg the hardest part of the shoulder um and was the as we skinned it out the arrow the broke off piece with the broadhead was actually lodged right under the skin um kind of at the base of the neck and so it went all the way through him just about just not enough to give us an exit mm-hmm. um, and probably with every step he took it was just cutting away down there um but Obviously, it didn't hit anything crazy vital because he was still alive 23 hours. So we really don't – we didn't gut it. Um, we just skinned it out. But we got that that piece of the arrow back and all that stuff. But the crazy thing is to know that if I had not – I hate to sound like a bandwagon jumper or whatever. If I had not switched to a heavy cut-on-contact head, that deer probably lives mm-hmm. forever. Yeah. You know, until – until somebody else shoots him or he dies of natural causes that it's not, you're not getting the necessary penetration on that deer, um, with that shot. And so as bad of a shot as it actually ended up being, 
it's still Ranch Ferry Troy talks about it all the time about Plan B when things don't go as planned. That was definitely one of those situations where I was I was super jacked yeah. about about that decision to switch to a heavier yeah. a heavier friend. That's, that high FSB, um definitely saved me there. That's why but, we shoot the day six stuff, man. It's just you know heavy, you know, cut on contact broadheads and. Yeah, uh, your pins are a little bit wider gap, but uh, you know if you can get close to animals, man, it's it's pretty deadly. And uh, I'm right there with you. It is. It was. It was. A, it was a great decision. And I've actually the two does that I killed here in Alabama. Um, the first one ran about ten feet and fell over dead. Uh, the second one did the exact same thing. Like both of them died in sight. I've never had that happen. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, well. That's a, that's a lie. I shot one in the neck. My first deer, my first bow kill, I shot in the neck. It was a terrible shot, but it only ran like 10 feet. But um, every other deer, I mean, usually they run like a bat out of hell. Like they're just getting out of there because something, something hit them, you know. Yeah. With these heavier heads, they just zip through them. They don't even know what happened. Yeah, real sharp. Um, you know, they're not just uh, pushing like a lot of the stuff mm-hmm. does. You know, they're, they're just slicing their way through. It's yeah. pretty awesome. And the so – Here's the cool thing is these, I'm using the VPA heads, the VPA 175s, uh, two blade. We pulled that blade out, out of the deer and it was still like razor sharp. Yeah. After being in there all day, cutting with every move that deer made, going through a shoulder, it was still sharp. Like I'll probably touch it up and throw it right back on an arrow. Yeah. That's like, cool. It was, it was cool as heck. Yeah. Um, and definitely. So when we got to the deer, uh, here's the thing, like what I'm about to say is going to sound, sound, uh, like I'm not grateful or happy with it. I'm very happy. I would have shot this deer no matter what, it, but it was like one of those, like, it was the first deer I've ever shot that had ground shrinkage. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I was not at all disappointed, but I was like, huh, I thought he was going to be bigger than that. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> You know, yeah. uh, but when you're hunting those thickets like that, when you're hunting thick areas and you have to make quick, like just very fast decisions, um, I feel like that's going to happen probably more in my life Yeah, you know, just because of the areas I choose to hunt. But that's also where these bucks live, you yep. know, um, that's how you're going to kill them. And so I'm sure that's not the first time that's ever going to, that's not the, first, the only time that's ever going to happen to me. Uh, but it definitely was like, man. I, I was I was kind of expecting a little bit bigger deer, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've been there, man. I know exactly. We live in Texas, yeah. you know. So we 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 uh, have uh, width restrictions, so they got to be 13 inches wide, and that's pretty right. much like what you're keying in on. And when you hunt public land, you get this. If you don't, you may or may not. But sometimes a deer's only in your life for like 10 seconds, and you don't yeah. have time to think about score, count points whatever even sometimes age you know like you can kind of tell big body small body but like really you have to be able to assess if it's a shooter or not and be able to get your bow and shoot the thing before he walks out of your life you know and then that's that's just kind of tough to do and uh i think that that's when you really um kind of are, are forced to have the appreciation of just you know being thankful that you got to shoot something, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? As opposed to being a, a, and not that I am anti-trophy hunting by any means, because I'm about to go do some trophy hunting in about a week and a half, hopefully, but, mm, you know, uh, like, whenever you're hunting public, it's just a different different game, you know? It's just, you're just doing something different out there, and it's it's it it's all cool, you know? And these guys, a lot, I mean, I, I get the restriction, I guess, in Texas, I'm not knocking I'll knock, I'll, I'll knock it. I'll knock it. I'll knock it for you. It's yeah. fine. I'll Me knock too. it. Go ahead. Me too. <laughs> um, well, then I'll knock it. If you guys are, I just didn't want to do it since y'all are Texas based. I, I no. think the I think the the deal is is kind of dumb. I understand re- antler restrictions. Yeah. But unless you're on a place where deer are feeding at a feeder for more than a couple of minutes, um, you're just not going to be it. My dad, he has land there in, in East Texas. He, they live out there pretty close to y'all. And, uh, he's got 20 acres, uh, basically river bottom property and it's pretty thick in there. And he's let a lot of deer walk because he couldn't tell what they were. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like he couldn't say a hundred percent that they were 13 inches wide. Like, I feel like it's a little easier to say four on one side 
Yeah. Um, than 13 inches wide. Like you're telling yeah. somebody that they have to just guess. Mm-hmm. Yep. Like, you know who does a great job, and I love this is Oklahoma. Because instead of putting money into regulation, they put money into a campaign that said, let young bucks grow. And they just have signs for that. And if you want to buy into it, you can. If you don't, that's cool, too. You yeah. know, and I yeah. I mean, I'm, I've said this a few times on the podcast and people probably are starting to get tired of it. But I'm becoming very libertarian in my views. My Pretty much my views are leave me alone. You know what I mean? So, yeah. like, when you start trying to just regulate people into doing something, you end up with animosity towards it. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, the, and the, the crazy thing there is that you can shoot a spike. Yeah. Like, what? Yeah, yeah. does that make any sense? Spike, <laughs> but but not a, you know, a 13 or a 12-inch, you know, five-and-a-half-year-old eight-point. Yeah. yeah. Man, that, you know, and that's a, that's one of those, this, this regulation came about, it's been a, a while um, since they started doing these antler restrictions. And back when they, when they, you know, put them out there, there wasn't nearly the information out there that there is now and the studies and stuff. You know, everybody's seen the meme or whatever you want to call it where there's a spike and at 1.5 and then by the time he's 5.5, he's Boone and Crockett or whatever, you know, and they show mm-hmm. how that can happen. And But, you know, 20 years ago or whenever it was when they started this thing, it it wasn't that way. It would, they, yeah. they, they didn't know that spikes, you know, the common culture was that spikes were never going to be anything. So what I'm saying is the excuse is that it is hard to change laws and that the, I'm sure the wardens and everybody else does not like having to change laws very much. So it's easier just to stay with that role for now and just one day we'll address it kind of yeah. thing, you know? So my question is this, like, so my dad shot a buck, um, a buck that was 13 inches wide, actually a little wider, and it's on his wall. Like it's a good deer, a good deer. Yeah. And uh, the taxidermist, um, when when dad got it back, that I think it was when dad got it back, the taxidermist was like, "Man, he barely made barely made 13 inches." And it's like, so how do they how do they go by like the drying period? What if the deer as it dries, yeah, no, it's dry. If it shrinks up a little bit, which it will naturally, and that's when it gets measured. Like it's just there's so many there's so many ways that 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 can just go wrong. Oh yeah, you can't, it's wonky. An antler at one point isn't going to disappear if you were to do a four on one side. Yeah, mm-hmm. like you don't have to guess. There's no guessing game. You can count. Yep. There's four on one side. You can't say like, mm, let me hold up my my ruler to it and say, oh yeah, that's thirteen. It's it's just it's just dumb. It is. And, but but regardless, I mean, it is it is what it is. And yeah, it's I'll, I'll it's tell you this: the, there's there's correlation. You yeah. know, correlation does not mean causation, but there is correlation now that we see a much older age class than what we did when Tyler and I were teenagers and preteens. Mm-hmm. Now. A lot of things have changed in those, that time period, too. We now have doe days we didn't used to and all this kind of stuff. So who knows? In Really, in wildlife management, you never can, you know, just straight up just, uh, you know, put a pin on it on what's for sure done and hasn't. But I will tell you this. There's been a whole bunch of three-year-old eights that are 13 or 14 inches wide that get passed by guys who are, you know, conscientious and don't want to mess things up. And those deer end up being really nice four-year-olds. So, yeah. you know. If you if you're into the the trophy side of stuff and you want the biggest deer you can shoot and most people do, uh, especially in Texas, because um, you know how Texans are, uh, you know um, I guess that that's a regulation that makes sense for some people. But for us, it's hey, what, we, what we've all talked about. And then too, it's like man, when I was a little kid, I shot a Forky and I thought it was the coolest thing that ever happened in my life. Mm-hmm. So yep. they'll never listen to me, but I always have this proposed like first buck ever tag that I would like them to put out to where like, if it's your first buck ever, you can shoot whatever you want to. But then after that, start paying attention to the re- the antler regulations. Yeah, whatever, that tag's you know? good for yeah. one buck. Yeah, one buck ever. In your lifetime. Yeah. Yep. That- well, they might, they might, I mean, y'all are, y'all are Tyler and KC from the element. They may listen to that. You're man, right, man. I think my better end is that my mom works for TPWD. I think that's going to be my better end, but. <laughs> maybe so. I mean, maybe consider that option and then the next option. Yeah, my, maybe it's, a, yeah. you know, a compilation of things, you mm-hmm. know, might, might help. But, yeah. Um, so, dude, 
uh, we kind of ended up making this a conversation, but we really, you know, kind of had some questions about your deer and stuff a little bit. Uh, is that like a, you know, you talked about the frame and all that kind of stuff on that buck. Is that like a, uh, is that a good deer for the area? Is it a great deer for the area? Or, you know, because one of the cool things about whitetail is that they're so different in all the parts of the country. And I like what you do because you're in a part of the country kind of like us where they don't get super big, you know, comparatively. So, like, you know, what's that deer like comparatively? Well, so on that on that specific, on that club, that's going to be a pretty um, – I'm not going to say it's the small, it's not the, it's definitely not a small deer for that club. I'm going to say it's, it's going to be, you know, a guy might kill one of those deer like that out there during the rut on that club. Yeah. You know, um, he's definitely not going to be like, uh, everybody's going to shoot one, Mm -hmm. you know, it's, and that, that's the crazy thing about it is like most of these guys are out there hunting, you know, 150 200 yards away from where that deer's ever going to be until he starts chasing does and so um they would have never seen him they don't even know he he existed down there in that bottom um and so it i would say for the area that area he's going to be you know an average decent buck you know most guys are going to shoot that deer cool if they see him if he walks out um you know you'll have maybe a couple of like pretentious trophy hunting guys that are going to maybe let him walk, but I'm not that at all. (laughs) (laughs) I would shot that deer. I would, I would have shot that deer. I would probably tag out on that deer on public for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, You know, he's, he's a, he's a good buck. I haven't, I haven't um, like measured his width or anything like that, but um, he's got some cool character. You know, it's, I've had a couple guys say that he looks like he's a, um, like going downhill, I kind of disagree. Yeah, I think he's probably a two and a half or three and a half year old deer or something mm-hmm. like that. Um, he looks swampy, yeah, is what I think, and maybe it's just the because it was wet whenever you took the pictures or whatever. But I, I always like those southern deer that something about it. You just don't get that horn configuration in the Midwest. It just has a different look to it. You know what I mean? So yep. I think I think it's cool, man. And 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 the Alabama. Like an Alabama strain of deer tend to have like that more um, white, like really white antlers. Yeah. And and he had that. And typically with those type of deer, they're for whatever reason that like it, we so we have a place up here where they have a, a Michigan strain that they brought in years ago. Mm-hmm. And that that Michigan strain, their antlers are like really dark. They'll mm. get they'll get like chocolate. Yeah. Um, the Alabama strain just doesn't. Like it, it just stays white. Yeah, and cool. they and they don't get as big as as a lot of those. Now, yeah. um, as I was driving away with the deer packed out in the back of my truck, I almost hit a deer. That I, there's Alabama guys out here going to think I'm smoking crack <laughs> when I say this, but there was a deer in the middle of the road that I came about ten feet from hitting. That I promise you was a two hundred class whitetail. Oh um, man, I've never seen a deer this big anywhere i lived in texas i lived in west texas where you got high fences and i've never seen a deer that looked like this i mean he was just a, a monarch like like just giant and i got a good solid look at him um and it felt like i was looking at an alien and <laughs> sure rope as, as i'm watching him run off i'm like and looking kind of in the back in my back mirror of like my, of my buck i'm like and all of a sudden, my buck doesn't look very big at all. <laughs> it's like, did uh, I shoot a doe? I can't remember. <laughs> yeah, like mine looks like a like Elliot from Open Season. <laughs> That's <laughs> funny. Y'all, uh, y'all have both referenced ki- kid movies while we've been on this podcast, yep. so we know where we're all at. <laughs> you know where you're headed. <laughs> yeah, well, I have, I have been Frozen's been on my TV pretty much all day today. So yep. I feel like my TV is Frozen on Frozen. So <laughs> yeah, between Paw Patrol and Disney princess movies like we that's pretty much you want to know watching. you want to know what's real confusing to me is that there's also a, a movie called Trolls where there's a poppy troll in it and so yeah. I can't tell what we're talking about any of the time <laughs> 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 is it Paw Patrol or Poppy Troll I don't know 
<laughs> Luckily, mine's okay. a little younger, so we're still on Winnie the Pooh, which I'm a pretty big fan of. So I'm, you're talking about Princess Poppy. I know her well. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> excellent, excellent actor. Great actor, good singer, great singer, really. Yeah, yeah, great singer. Yeah, great singer. Um, but it was cool, man. It was, it was a, it was all around like. I've, I have mixed feelings just for myself. Like, you know, I haven't hunted private land really, not in Alabama in like four years. And so you get so used to like the public land grind and like, like, you know, just kind of almost, yeah, almost got a chip on your shoulder. Like, oh yeah, you hunt your hunt club? Well, I hunt public land, you know? <laughs> yeah. And here I am notching a tag for a private land hunting club whitetail. And I'm like, Man, if there's one way that I would kill a public land or a, a private land deer, it's like that. Like I packed the Joker out and went up and found the spot. And, and I've always said, I think I mentioned this earlier. I've always said, like I'd like to test where I'm at now as a whitetail hunter on a hunting club, which out here a hunting club gets as, as much or more pressure than public land right. that I hunt. Yeah, yeah. And so it, it was definitely a more pressured area for sure. That's neat. Um, and so, you know, you can you can have your, the chip on your shoulder of, of public land, or you can, you know, try to try to some new challenges. You know, it's something yeah. different. Just, and uh, so, I've been on cloud nine all day just from it. You know, yeah. from the whole experience, I thought it was so cool. Well, just tell me the most dangerous game is not the next challenge that you're looking for. No, man. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm I'm a, I'm a whitetail guy. Yeah. I'm actually, I'm headed I'm headed back to Kentucky. In a couple weeks, then I got a trip to Missouri, uh, and then it's just after that, it's the it's going to be the heat of the rut where I in in the areas that I tend to hunt around December, mid December, and so um, it's going to be it's going to be fun. It's going to be a good season from here on out. I I just always like to have that like, uh, well, Tyler, you got one uh, kind of an icebreaker buck, you know? It's mm. like. It, it doesn't have to be the best buck of my life. Just a, just a buck, you know. It's mm-hmm. just you got to have those. Dude, and bucks so are cool, man. Doesn't matter. I mean, yeah. It, it there's a very little that matters in the size as much as like just the fact that a whitetail buck is a cool thing, man. It is. It really is. <clears throat> and uh, and maybe you know, I mean, I always feel better about it because later as the season goes and your standards start to go down if you haven't killed one. Like it's nice to kill a good, respectful deer so that your standard can stay where you want it to be, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and that's, that's, that's always the fun part. And like I said, like public land's my home. It's like, it's like what I do, but, uh, doing this is, it, it was, it was definitely a cool experience. Yeah. yeah. That's so cool, man. what's, uh, what's the best way for people to kind of follow you throughout the Missouri and Kentucky and everything else this season? Yeah, so um, I have a podcast. It's called Southern Ground Hunting. It's part of the um, the Sportsman's Nation podcast network, and um, I'll be we're kind of trying something this this deer season where we're going to kind of alternate, uh, have a guest on one week, and then kind of recap our last two weeks, uh, the next episode, and kind of alternate weeks like that. It's just a, it's just so much easier to not have to get a guest every single week when Ooh, you're dude done. you're telling me <laughs> yeah mm. you're trying to hunt yourself it's just it's i don't know mm-hmm. so um you can follow along there we'll we'll talk about all that stuff there and then also on the youtube channel you'll be able to see all the hunts everything that goes on i'm actually working on i got the first half of it done today of the uh the hunt from yesterday and day before that so um everything i film all the time so everything that i do will be up on the on the Southern Ground Hunting YouTube channel. That's cool, man. Even in the shower? <laughs> Everything I do. Dang, that's what I'm talking about, dude. <laughs> oh man. Well, I'm kind of more I'm kind of more of like a Casey Neistat blogger. Yeah. Um, yep. So I just I just kind of put my whole life. No, not really. That's good, it's man. That's good. It's Dr- hunting highlights. Drone shots from the shower, you know, those are great too, man. <laughs> yeah. It's all good. Yeah. I've been trying to get creative. Yeah, for sure. That's good. All about the angles, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, we appreciate uh, well, you coming on, man. Yeah, man. Are you going to buy the old uh, Texas tag and us kill a Christmas deer this year? Man, if I can get to Texas, that's the thing is like we, we usually come to Texas for the holidays, but uh, we're actually going to Arkansas 
for Thanksgiving because that's where my sister's at. So my parents are going up to Arkansas, and that's when me and dad are hunting Missouri. Oh, cool. Uh, so I don't know when the next time I'll be there is, but I can guarantee you that we'll be there at some point to uh, kill some hogs. Oh, yeah. yeah. Let's do it, dude. I mean, uh, we know where those are, so come on. Oh, yeah. I'm in it. I'm, I am definitely in it. And my dad actually has been kind of scouting out a little piece of public around his, around where he lives. Um, and so at some point we're going to go check that out together and just, you know, look at it and see what we can find. Take a look at it. That's good, man. Well, sounds like you got a good season lined up, man. I, I wish the best for you. I know every time, uh, you shoot a deer and you're unsure about it. You're going to be texting me for a prayer, I guess. So <laughs> yeah. I guess I'll be, I'm going to start a prayer. Growing up in church, my dad's a pastor. We had a, a prayer chain, and it's basically all the old ladies in the church that pray for everything. And, yeah. And so people would call with prayer requests, and my mom would say, well, I'll put it on the prayer chain. And <laughs> I'm going to start a deer hunting prayer chain. There you, there go, you man. go, man. Man, I've been thinking about something. We'll talk about this offline, but I got some ideas, man. We need to bounce them a little bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm hoping, I mean, honestly, I truly hope I don't have to pray for you anymore this season, though. <laughs> I, I just I hope we make good that, shots, I, I you know. Shot prayers were not going to be existing anymore with my heavy arrow setup but yeah it happens yeah, yeah it does man well best of luck this year man thanks for coming on hey thanks guys you too man what an awesome story about a big buck guys we want to say a big thanks to exodus trail cameras and cobra archery for being a part of this big buck breakdown for sure man and also if you want to check out what we do on a daily basis maybe even see some of these big bucks go to instagram and follow us at the element wild and then also subscribe on youtube to keep up with what we're doing throughout the season and subscribe on the podcast and remember this is your element living it Cause a lot of frustration Brothers let's forgive and forget You ever get that feeling The walls closing in The concrete jungle suffocating you You crave some wide open spaces The chance to connect with nature Maybe in a spot all your own Well head over to land.com They've got ranches, forests, mountains, streams, you name it. Search by acreage. You can search by location. You can search by the kind of hunting and fishing you're dreaming of. Land.com. It is where the adventure begins. Hey, we're going to take a little break here and talk about interstate batteries. Now, if you're like me, enjoying the great outdoors, you need gear that is as reliable as it gets. That's why I power my adventures with interstate batteries. I use interstate batteries in my boats. I use interstate batteries in my camper. Great for your truck, too. From Alaska to Montana, they're outrageously dependable. Battery is essential. With over 150,000 dealer locations, finding one is easy. For all your vehicles, land or sea, choose interstate. Head to interstatebatteries.com and find your power today.